Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. This is where we talk about anything that has to do with mission and the Great Commission. And I'm privileged today to have as a guest, Tom Kent. He is a longtime friend and Bible worker here in North New South Wales Conference. We met maybe, when was it, Tom, 2015? You came to Arise? 2017, I think. Okay, I've got my years wrong. But uh, yeah, we met in 2017. And you came to Arise, but you originally hail from? Toowoomba, Queensland. Toowoomba, Queensland. Nice. <laughs> and so you came down to the North New South Wales Conference because you felt God was calling you to grow in your relationship with God. Totally. Yep. So could you maybe, for the sake of the people who don't know who you are, Tom, just share briefly, who are you, where you're from, how'd sure. you get where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, as you mentioned, I went through Arise, uh, the discipleship program in Kingscliff in 2017. Uh, And since that time, I've been active in ministry, whether it's been volunteer, uh, Bible working, or um, connected with with the conference, yeah, as a Bible worker working both in down south, but also up here in the Northern Rivers as well. So yeah, I've done some work in connection with Raymond Terrace and and Caves Beach and that sort of area and region. But also up here, I was connected with the school this year, doing some work there as well, which was such a blessing. So yeah, that's me. I I live up here in the Northern Rivers in the Byron hinterland. And yeah, I praise the Lord, blessed to be married and to be living life with a beautiful woman that God has given me and just doing ministry together. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You're on a journey with Jesus, man. And you started before 2017, you coming into North New South Wales, 2017, ministering around the conference in various capacities. And yeah, it's just good to have you. And so today we were both talking before our topic is Jesus on the cross. And what we want to do is consider the crucifixion scene, and from that scene, draw lessons, practical lessons for us in evangelism and mission and soul saving. So there's a lot to be learned from the crucifixion of the Son of God. Ellen White says that on the cross, Jesus was the gospel. The Apostle Paul says in him are hidden all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom, and the crucifixion is the wisdom of God, the glory of God on display, and it's just the lessons and the lessons there are infinite because mm-hmm. God is infinite. So, bro, just to get the ball rolling for this conversation, are there any preliminary thoughts that you have to share in regards to Jesus on the cross and what that tells us as a Seventh-day Adventist church movement about mission and evangelism? Yeah, totally. I guess probably one of the first verses that comes to mind is 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2 where Paul writes and he says, For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so in his mission, Paul uh, had a focus and it was grounded and and rooted in the cross. And that had huge implications for the things that he would do in mission, in evangelism. And for me personally, as I, I look to the cross, probably the first thing that the Spirit of God puts on my mind is just this. It's unlike anything else. The spirit of Christ, the, the mentality of Christ, the humility of Christ, and just his constant compassion, but also just going that extra mile. And I think with regards to mission and evangelism for us today, one of the first things that I believe that we can learn from the life of Christ, particularly the scene of the crucifixion, is that his love for sinners was so deep and so real that he would go to all costs for their salvation. 
And I know in just in my personal experience as a Bible worker doing different Bible studies, it, it takes a lot more than we realize to work with God in winning souls. It's not just something we can just put some money into a basket and then think, yeah, it'll just get taken care of. God wants us to join in with him in this commission and to work with him in partnership and through the power of his Holy Spirit be spent for the gospel and for the salvation of others to truly learn what it means to love in the same way that Christ loves, which is something we learn and grow in every day. Uh, So that's probably the first thing that really comes to my mind is just how um, powerful and how real that humility and that love was of Christ for the salvation. Yeah, that's it. I love what you're drawing out there, Tom, because Jesus, he shows us how much is required to win people how much of yourself has to be given. Mm. And for him, he'd give all that it would, that saving people required. And mm. Jesus was very gifted as an individual man. He was a very gifted man. And you would say he was capable at ministry. But at the end of the day, if he did not have the character of love and commitment that he had, then no one would be saved. So all the gifts in the world don't amount to salvation for the world, but mm. the character of love that would drive you to the point of offering your life for someone, that saves the world. And it's like what Jesus said when he was talking to his disciples, and I think it's John 15 or 13, he says, greater love has no man than this, than that a man would lay his life down for his friends. And so that great love was really what drove him to offer himself on the cross Mm. and therefore save the world or purchase the world back Mm. from sin. Yeah, that's a powerful lesson, hey, is having the the love necessary to succeed. So. And, Love and, really succeeded on the cross. Yeah, 100%. And that's something that doesn't come natural to the human heart. Something that is very clear in the cross and in the message of Scripture is that this is something unlike what we find in this world. This agape love, this self-sacrificing love is something that originates in God. And the beautiful thing uh, about Christ on the cross, the beautiful thing that message gives to us as those who are joining with him in ministry is that he invites us to be partakers of that. The Bible says in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you. It's this invitation to receive what is needed to have that same mentality towards others. The Bible says again in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, like God is ready and prepared through his grace to provide us all that is needed for that mission with him, all that is needed to grow in the love of God for others as well. Because sometimes we look at what Christ has done and we marvel because rightly so, it is something that is so beautiful, but we forget the beautiful point of the gospel that Christ wants that to flow into our lives and that he wants, as it says in John chapter 7, not only for us to drink of the living waters, but for the living waters to flow out of our heart towards others. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. Something came to mind. I have another practical lesson point, Tom, in regards to evangelism. And the cross was a painful experience. It was not an easy experience to go through. And that's why Jesus said, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is not a pleasant experience in any way. And in the Garden of Eden, before he even goes to the cross, he's, he's treading the wine press of the wrath of Almighty God. And if it's possible that this cup might pass, let it pass. So I learned that to save people requires a bit of pain and, and difficulty, mm. right? So soul winning and evangelism, it's painful. It's painful work. Now, maybe not physically, 
but you have to go through a bit of challenging circumstances, cross circumstances to win people where you have to lay yourself down and make principal commitments for others. What do you think of that? Totally, totally. And I think that's really a very high calling because although it is like you say, there is pain in the cross. At the same time, it is something that develops us to be what God is calling us to be. It's a part of that character building that he desires for us to experience and for us to be more like Christ. But it's true, man. Through all the experiences, though they be limited that I've had over the few past years of minute, there definitely is pain. And it causes you to sometimes be literally on your knees crying. Like I remember there's been times and I count myself to be a grown man that's pretty manly. But at the same time, I've found myself many of times crying because I God has led you in some place to ministry for some person. But through certain circumstances that they're going through, it it, it causes you to feel like you're just feel like you're you come to the end of yourself if that makes sense it it -hmm. takes you to your limit in some ways whether that's emotionally whether that's mentally whether that's whatever it is yeah there's so much that is required in in that experience but at the same time it it also draws you closer to christ because you realize man who am i what a sinful man i am that but god is still using me so it's although it's painful it is such a beautiful experience as well that leads Mm -hmm. us closer to christ yeah yeah man if the church wants to grow it's gonna have to sacrifice that's what the cross teaches you like he came to seek and save and he did by offering himself himself as a ransom for all right and and making atonement for the lost race so if, if we want to learn a lesson from that, we can. And that is that you have to pay a price. There's a price to be paid for winning people. And it's a mm. sacrifice. And it, sacrifice is a good thing. When you know, I guess I'd say, I keep thinking, I may have to change my schedule to win people. I may have to eat evening tea at a different time. I may have to restructure my day and not do a thing or two at particular points in time through the year that I derive pleasure from, because I've got to put those things aside to focus on the work of the ministry. And that's a sacrifice, right? That's something that I think we learned from Jesus on the cross. Mm. Dude, Jesus was able to impress the heart of the one thief on the cross and bring him to confession and faith while he was dying. What does that teach us about evangelism on the cross, right? Mm. Like you see Jesus on the cross, what does that teach us about evangelism? That he's naked, he is bleeding, people are making fun of him, and yet he's still able to win someone. What does that teach us about evangelism? I think it teaches us probably the lesson that is in Romans chapter 5, I believe, where it talks about where sin abounded, grace abounded so much more. At the darkest depths that someone can go, Christ has gone further and is ready to reconcile and redeem that person. For instance, it's chaotic. You're right. Like the scene when you're watching that on the cross and you're imagining as you're reading through scripture it's insane it's literally it's out it's chaotic and in the midst of that though in the midst of all this chaos and in the midst of this thief who is convicted and and deserves death for whatever he has done in his life at the darkest steps for this one thief who thinks that man his sin is dark it is dead. He's, he's going to die yet he calls out in in hope that christ will remember him and it definitely does prove that where sin abounded christ grace abounded much more and it just shows that the power of the gospel is so much greater than whatever can take place in this world and in this life that we may think is something that is beyond repairable if that makes sense yeah that's something you could could take everything from jesus but you couldn't take away his power to save you could strip him naked you could mock him you could torture him he's bleeding out dying to death 
hanging up there in the sky and he's still saving people. It's a, he right. and we don't need a lot of resources to save people, right? Cuz anyone whose heart is convicted of their guilt and sinfulness and they're seeking for a savior, a mm. truly seeking for a savior, when they see someone living the gospel, if that person doesn't have money or you, know, you don't need a big evangelism budget, that person can respond. And so it says to the churches, if Jesus could be naked, bloody, and bruised on the cross and still be reaching hearts for the kingdom of God and saying to people, today I say to you, you will be with me in paradise, Mm. then surely we could win people, even if we don't have a big evangelism budget or a highly esteemed group of people, right? Like Mm. in society, you can still reach people for the kingdom of heaven. That's something that I learned from that, that situation. And I think in the abstract, Tom, so I can look at this and then I say, okay, let me distill what I'm seeing down to its essence and then draw basic lessons. And one basic lesson is, and we always think in in the church, well, we don't have enough money to win people. We need a bigger budget or our reputation in the community isn't that great as a church community. We've got to, you know, raise our profile and and get a better reputation in the community. How was Jesus' reputation like on the cross that day? Like how was he being seen by the community community? around him. He was anathema. He was a pariah. He was a worm. The Bible says in Psalm 22, I am a worm and no man speaking on on the cross. That's a contemptible object. Mm. I'm an object of loathing and contempt. People are disgusted by me when they look at me and see me and they're jesting and jeering, but yet I can save, I can still succeed in evangelism. You know what I mean? This is success against all odds. Yeah. This guy's winning souls and he's dying on the cross. Yes. (laughs) I live in a nice house in a nice neighborhood with friendly neighbors, I could win someone. Yeah, totally. You follow? I, th- I think what this leads us to really is, it's kind of like a reality check for us. As it says in, in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves whether you be of the faith. Because the point is that what we see on the cross in that moment is where Christ's priority was. And it was on the increase of God's kingdom. It was on glorifying God and bringing people to him through salvation. And I think something that I've found in myself in the weakness of my flesh is that it's very easy to try and think of different things that can be done to, to, put, to take away the simple point that what needs to take place in my life is that God needs to be number one in my life. God needs to be in complete control. And I need to be ready to do God's will when he calls me. It's something that the flesh struggles against because we want to live for ourselves. But there's this struggle. And, and what we see in Christ is that God was everything. In, in that his you know love for humanity and their salvation was the focus. And I think thinking of that, I, I find in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, Paul writes and he says that he's not going to boast, he's not going to glory in anything else except in the cross by which the world is crucified to him and he's crucified to the world. And really, if all of us are, are desiring for that same mentality, that same priority of the salvation of souls, if we're struggling with that because we're, we're putting the self-sacrifice side aside and we're, we're going about to try and put in different methods or, or think that we need different things, we need to come to the cross ourselves and we need to realize that it's through the cross and through the realization of what Christ has done that these things in the world, our reputation, they're crucified to us mm-hmm. and we're crucified to the world when we keep our eyes fixed on this chaotic scene where it's gory and it's horrific but at the same time, it's probably the most, it is the most beautiful thing that the whole universe has ever witnessed. Yeah, it's simultaneously the, the most grotesque and beautiful right there in one scene. Yeah, wow. You know, so, something I don't know if I'll be able to say well, bro, is that, but it's, it's a really meaningful thing. The thief on the cross did not 
look to the Pharisaical leaders who were around the cross at the time and say, hey, help me. Can you assure me of my acceptance with God? Like, he, he didn't call out to them. He didn't see in them a source of salvation, but he saw it in Jesus. So Jesus was able to maintain his dignity or God's presence was still in him. He was still the dignified son of God, the king of the universe. And so he could see the love. He could see the purity. He could see the holiness. He could see heaven. Jesus was still the embodiment of the kingdom of God on the cross. And so he, that's who he looked to for salvation, a dying man who, who was without hope. And he was condemned by Rome and by God. And so here's mm-hmm. the Savior in front of him. And, and that's where he sees hope, is in this dying man that's next to him. He doesn't see hope in the Pharisees. He doesn't see hope in the soldiers. He doesn't see hope in any of that stuff. But he looks at Jesus and he's like, hey, can you save me when you mm-hmm. come into your kingdom? That he's. This is one of the marvels of Scripture, that this guy in his dying moments would have seen in the Son of God, like hope for eternal life. Mm-hmm. Like he would see the guy whose kingdom is going to be eternal. That's heavy, especially considering the mindset of the ancient world. Mm. Like we're Christianized now, where we sympathize with the victim. In those times and ages, nobody sympathized with victims. The, the gods were cruel, the gods were powerful, and the weak were weak for a reason. Uh, they deserved to be. And that was the mindset of the classical world. But So that this guy would have seen in Jesus the king of the universe and the savior of the world. That's awesome. Totally. That's awesome. Totally. Hey, so I want to turn a little bit, turn into a different direction, but okay. So mercy and justice are combined in the crucifixion, right? So God is just as he is the justifier of the world. And through Jesus on the cross, he's not letting us off the hook, right? Like justice is not being set aside. Mm. No, justice is being served. Yeah. So a punishment is being meted out that is just and fair yeah. So this is not, so, so I'm just saying this for a reason. So you see justice at the cross, God's abhorrence for sin and evil, and then at the same time, God's love and mercy. Mm. And it's all mingling together. Like we were saying, it's like this horrifying scene, but it's a beautiful scene. It's just this blended reality that's just baffling. So what does that teach us about our presentation, our evangelism, our outreach, our ministry? Totally. For the sake yeah. of the law. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, there's, yeah, there's, there's so much in, in this picture on the cross and it's very deep. Yeah, there's definitely, as we've been discussing, the side of God's amazing love, his, his deep, everlasting love, his, his mercy. But what we see also is something that is so very clear that is taught in the cross. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 21, speaking of Christ's ministry, that he's going to come and he's going to magnify the law and make it honorable and that's exactly what he does on the cross because as we know god's government god's this whole universe is founded upon his principles of love which are the ten commandments and what we know is that because of adam adam and eve's fall their transgression their sin the bible teaches us that sin is the transgression of the law and that transgression as we also know in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. And this is exactly what Christ uh, experienced in our behalf. It wasn't the first death. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 that he tasted death for every man, referring to the second death. And that is the wrath of God, which sometimes we almost step over. We don't fully realize, at least I didn't growing up in the church, I didn't fully realize what was really happening on the cross. And what it was is that Christ was taking the sin of every human being and he took the wrath 
of God on that sin on the cross. And that speaks very loudly to me to say, Tom, God's law is God's law. It hasn't changed. Otherwise, Christ wouldn't have to die. It also proves to me that I can't live a life of righteousness in in and of myself. That's only Christ. But what it also shows is that God's wrath against sin is real, it's true, and it's unchanging, which really shows how pure and how beautiful his love is. The fact that Christ died the second death and took the wrath of God for all, that's heavy, man. It is, it's really heavy, but it shows how terrible and how disgusting and how just horrific and traumatic sin is. And I think something for us living in today in evangelism, in mission, in the commission with Christ, we need to be so mindful of that picture that we get from the cross that as we share, we need to be going in the power of the Spirit. And the Bible tells us what the Spirit's mission is, to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Without being convicted of sin, we're not going to realize our need and the goodness and and the amazing beauty of God's righteous love. We're not going to realize it. And so it really says to me in, in loud volumes the importance of, in love, calling people to come to Christ. And when they see that picture of him on the cross, what they will see is, man, whew, okay, mm. yeah, sin is real. And they'll be convicted. As I was convicted of my sin when I looked to the cross and I saw, man, oh, man, I'm doomed, literally. That's the idea. You think, man, is there any way out? Where's the way? Where, what can I find it? And that's what I find is when Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone thirsts, comes to me and, I'll, and you can drink of living waters. Mm-hmm. If anyone receives Christ, they'll experience uh, new life and they'll be a child. Yeah, amen. Hey, people have seen the crucifixion of the Son of God and some church people have taught it as if it's a threat from God, right? Like the medieval church oftentimes utilized mm-hmm. the crucifixion as a threat. Mm-hmm. Like God, God is an, an angry God, and he will punish you like this. That's the, dis, the disposition of some when they were communicating that kind of punitive side of the crucifixion of the Son of God. But I would say that the cross is not a threat from God, but it definitely highlights God's hatred of evil. Mm. And, and really, ultimately, if evil is evil, it should be shunned. It should be despised. It should be hated, right? If, yeah. if sin is really sin, then sin is repugnant if it's if it if the law of god really is if it's more than arbitrary if it's the law of love if it's the law of life if it's a just law if it's a good law if it's holy just and good as romans 7 says if it is those things then it's violation like is in proportion as evil as the law is good and there is no place in scripture where sin is given any flattering description mm-hmm. rebellion against god disobedience to his commands like never mm-hmm. in the new testament it, it's it's very clearly taught that law-keeping does not gain you access to heaven, nor does it make God give you God's favor. That's clear. But the, but the standard of the law is never dismissed as inconsequential or as arbitrary. Or, and so I think at the cross, as you've said, you see the holiness of God's law and the sacredness of God's law. And, and it's like in the, the repugnance, the disgusting nature of sin. And because Jesus is, you know, God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. And so God is so at odds with sin that even if his son mm. were given over to it, he would not spare him from death on the cross. This tells us that the infinite God of the universe who engineered this whole world that we live in, created us, and just he engineered life itself. Like his law is not arbitrary. It, it cannot be set aside. And the violation of that law, it justly deserves 
punishment. Like, and that is what Jesus was receiving on the cross. And it wasn't because God is angry and he's threatening us. It's because sin really is that bad. Yeah, that's right. If you didn't think it was bad, yeah. And if you didn't think it was bad, look at the people who are killing the son of God. So he presents the purest and most clear picture of kindness and love that the universe has ever seen. Ellen White says that that Jesus, he presented an infinite, what what, she said, his character, she says, was an infinitely righteous character. You can approach infinity forever and never get there. Meaning that when Jesus was on the earth, the righteousness he showed the universe was infinite in nature. Wow, wow. It was so pure. So a person who's that pure, who's that innocent, who's that generous, that charitable, that unselfish, that's what you're going to do to them? That's Mm. what you're going to do to them? So he has to die in their place. What did they deserve? What would they deserve for doing that? Would they deserve to be on the cross for putting him on the cross? I would say, yes, they would. You follow what I'm saying? And so he's dying the punishment that we deserve. And if you don't think that we deserve that punishment, then look at the people who are treating Jesus that way and then realize the fact that your sins treat God the exact same way. Mm. So what do you deserve? You deserve to be crucified. You deserve to be punished. You deserve to be destroyed. And that's a component of the gospel. Mm. But God doesn't want you to be destroyed. He he can't stand the notion. So he's going to die for you. And so I think in our evangelism, we cannot shy away from holding up before people the grotesque and horrible nature of sin. Totally. Because I heard this one guy say that the good news is only as good as the bad news is bad. So we talk about the good news, but the, the, we talk about salvation. But from, well, because when you preach a light and low view of sin, like it's just no big deal, it's a trifling matter and whatever. Yeah, anyways, it lightens and it cheapens the gospel. Yeah, yeah. So and I think that's something we learn about evangelism from the cross. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting, right? Like, what was Christ's message like a few chapters before this scene? He was saying like Jerusalem, like he, he desired to gather them as chicks under his wings for shelter, for safety from this wrath. And mm-hmm. so it's that in our evangelism, in our mission, definitely making that clear, but also it's this invitation, hey, come and be saved from the wrath that is coming. Come and you, find hope in Christ. Yeah, you deserve this. Like you really... you. Like we have to understand our nakedness before God. And you have to, we shy away from, we want to always bring people comfort, hope, and peace. Mm -hmm. And and that's a good thing. We should, but we shouldn't want to bring people comfort, hope, and peace who are not in a right relationship with God. It doesn't mean that we want to be rude or crude or insensitive or impatient in our presentations. You don't have a relationship with someone and you just, you're going to burn in hell. You deserve to die. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that in the overall ministry that we perform and reaching out to the world and trying to win people, we cannot try to lessen their sense of conviction mm. because godly sorrow works repentance and it brings people to the point mm. of truly accepting Jesus as Savior rather than just accepting him as a good teacher who can give them some advice, right? Mm. You seek Jesus to the degree that you really believe you need him. And I think this is what you learn from the the cross is that sin is evil and everyone stands condemned before God because we're guilty for doing that. Totally. And And it's our sins there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely, it teaches us that in our mission, in our evangelism, we can't neglect calling people to repentance you know repentance by its right name absolutely it's one of those messages that you can't preach the goodness and the righteousness of christ in clear tones without that repentance and calling sin by its right name as you said it just doesn't it just doesn't happen absolutely so guys just to conclude just so you know okay evangelism director matt parr is not trying to prescribe some particular method so 
I'm not saying, hey, just run around and make sure that step one is tell everyone how sinful they are. That's not what I'm saying. We're just making some basic points. And these are just lessons that you can extract from the text and from Jesus on the cross. God has loved us with an everlasting love, and that is demonstrated on the cross. There are a ton of really beautiful, amazing evangelistic lessons that we could draw from the crucifixion of the Son of God. And I think we've touched on a few, And but at the same time, we're just trying to make the point. I'm just trying to make the point that you don't want to hide from all of the truth Mm. because people need all of the truth. And there's just, Paul says to, I think it's the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, he says, look, I, I am free from the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare to you all of the truth. Like I shared with you everything you needed to hear. We're not, I'm not trying to prescribe the sequence in which you share things with people. You've mm. got to use your own discernment and your own spirit-led judgment as to how you approach situations and subjects. But I really just think on some level, we just have to let people, let the spirit work. Let the spirit work. That's all that we're saying. Let the spirit work. And in any true conversion experience, you realize, wow, I'm born dead in trespasses and sins. Yes. I'm hopeless in and of myself. In me, that is to say, in my flesh, there dwells nothing good. Yes. When God is leading people to those conclusions, don't get them off the hook. Mm. Bring them to the foot of the cross and show them the great love of God. Amen. How he would refuse to allow them to perish in darkness before giving his life for them. Anyways, guys, I hope that this time has been a blessing to you. It's been a huge blessing to me. Thank you, Tom, for joining me on this edition of All Things Evangelism. Guys, we were talking about Jesus on the cross. Ellen White says that if you can talk about these things without emotion, it's a sin. (laughs) And we're not sufficient to talk about these holy and beautiful truths of Scripture. But uh, we trust in the grace of God. And Tom said, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. We thank God for his goodness and grace and all the practical lessons that we can learn from him in his word. God bless you guys, and we will see you next week.